Welcome back everyone. Today I'd like to play a game with you. I want to see how well you do at choosing the right stock to invest in. You'll have two options to choose from, company A or company B. I'll give you some actual data for each company and you get to decide where you'd like to park your money. We will run through a six-year window of actual results and you'll have the option to switch your investment at the beginning of each year. So you can pick one company and stick with it or you can swap them out each year based on which one looks more attractive to you. I'm curious to see how well you guys do. At the end, I'll tell you who each of these companies are, and we will break down this data to see if we can find any insights that can help us become better investors. What I want you to think about as we're going through this example is what data points you're using to make your decision. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Alright, let's get started. Both Company A and Company B are dividend growth stocks. Let's look at Company A first. Between 2013 and 2017, this company maintained a very strong return on capital employed. 116% in 2013, 97% in 2014, 95% in 2015, 145% in 2016, and 119% in 2017. Revenue growth was also very strong, 10% in 2014, 11% in 2015 and 16, and 13% in 2017. The gross margin wasn't very high, but remained rather consistent. 30% in 2013, 29% in 2014, and 31% in 2015, 16, and 17. The free cash flow conversion ratio fluctuated, but generally was pretty good. In 2013, it was 71%, 33% in 2014, 68% in 2015, 69% in 2016, and 37% in 2017. The dividend growth rate was excellent, 25% in 2014, 24% in 2015, 22.58% in 2016, and 21.05% in 2017. The payout ratio did climb a little, but generally held at a pretty healthy level. 24% in 2013, 32% in 2014, 41% in 2015, 34% in 2016, and 30% in 2017. As for the valuation, on January 1st, 2018, the PE multiple valuation suggested that Company A was 24.5% undervalued. Dividend yield theory pointed to a 0.96% overvaluation, and the combined valuation was an 11.77% discount to fair value. Okay, that was company A, and as you may have already guessed, 2018 will be the first year you'll have to decide where to invest your money. So let's take a look at company B now. The return on capital employed between 2013 and 2017 was strong and pretty consistent. 54% in 2013, 56% in 2014, 50% in 2015 and 16, and 52% in 2017. Revenue growth was also very healthy. 13% in 2014, 2% in 2015, 11% in 2016, and 16% in 2017. The gross margin was very attractive and very consistent. 78% in 2013, 74% in 2014, 77% in 2015, 79% in 2016, and 78% in 2017. The free cash flow conversion ratio was also very good. 97% in 2013, 51% in 2014, 84% in 2015, 
62% in 2016, and 100% in 2017. Company B also had a very nice dividend growth history during these five years. In 2014, it raised its dividend by 109%, 45% in 2015, 18.75% in 2016, and 15.79% in 2017. Its payout ratio remained very low for the duration of this time, 8% in 2013, 14% in 2014, 19% in 2015, 20% in 2016, and 24% in 2017. As for the valuation, on January 1, 2018, the PE multiple valuation suggested that Company B was 1.5% undervalued. Dividend yield theory suggested it was 5.59% undervalued. And the combined valuation was a 3.55% discount to fair value. Okay, so now that you have data for Company A and Company B, which one would you invest your money into in 2018? If you're not sure what to base your decision on, I'll tell you which 10 options I tested, and you can follow along with one of them. But you're more than welcome to use whatever data point you'd like to to make your decision. Okay, so the 10 tested options were Number 1. The cheapest stock based on dividend yield theory. Number 2. The cheapest stock based on the PE multiple valuation. Number 3. The cheapest stock based on the average valuation of dividend yield theory and the PE multiple. Number 4. The stock that had the biggest improvement in the return on capital employed in the prior year. The prior year in this case would be 2017. Number 5. The stock that had the largest increase in revenue also in the prior year. Number 6. The stock with the largest improvement in the gross margin in the prior year. Number 7. The stock with the best improvement in the free cash flow conversion ratio in the prior year. Number 8. The stock that had the larger dividend growth rate in the prior year. Number 9. A 50-50 blend of both stocks because they both look attractive. And number 10. A 75-25 split of the two stocks with the cheaper stock based on both valuations getting the 75% split and the remaining 25% going to the stock that looks more expensive. So, in 2018, the better company returned 32.37%, with the worse company having a return of 25.32%. Either way, you would have ended up with a pretty good return, but clearly, one of these companies performed better than the other. Don't worry, everything will be revealed at the end. Okay, let's look at the metrics for 2018 and see if you're going to stick with the company you selected or if you're going to swap it out for the other company. In 2018, Company A had a return on capital employed of 108%, which was an 8.86% decrease compared to the prior year. Its revenue increased by 23.13%. Its gross margin was 38%, which was a 21.43% increase from the prior year. It had a free cash flow conversion ratio of 42% which was a 13.93% increase from the prior year. It raised its dividend by 19.57%, and its payout ratio was 25%. On January 1, 2019, the PE multiple valuation suggested that Company A was 19.04% undervalued. Dividend yield theory suggested it was 1.61% overvalued, with the average valuation being an 8.72% discount to fair value. Let's look at Company B now. It posted a solid return on capital employed of 54%, or a 3.92% increase from the prior year. It saw its revenue increase by 19.63%. Its gross margin was 77%, or a 0.28% decrease from the prior year. And its free cash flow conversion ratio was 57%, which was a 42.52% drop from the prior year. Company B raised its dividend by 13.64%, and held a steady payout ratio of 17%. On January 1, 2019, the PE multiple valuation suggested that Company B was 19.22% undervalued. Dividend yield theory suggested it was 5.67% undervalued. 
and the combined valuation was a 12.45% discount to fair value. Despite both companies seeing strong positive returns in 2018, they both still looked undervalued at the start of 2019. Company A had a higher revenue growth rate, a bigger improvement to its gross margin and the free cash flow conversion ratio, and it raised its dividend by a larger percentage. Company B had a better improvement in its return on capital employed, and it looked cheaper based on both the PE multiple and dividend yield theory. Which one would you pick in 2019? The better company posted a return of 59.16% in 2019, with the worse company seeing a return of 19.63%, a pretty wide margin. Okay, let's move on to 2019 and see the stats for each company. Company A had a return on capital employed of 67%, or a 37.43% drop from the prior year. It saw its revenue increase by 5.42%. The gross margin came in at 38%, or a 1.65% improvement from the prior year. And its free cash flow conversion ratio was 63%, or a 48.42% improvement from the prior year. It raised its dividend by 18.18%, and the payout ratio remained steady at 26%. On January 1, 2020, the PE multiple valuation suggested that Company A was 18.97% undervalued. Dividend yield theory suggested it was 3.68% undervalued, with the combined valuation being an 11.33% discount to fair value. Company B, on the other hand, had a return on capital employed of 55%, or a 1.58% improvement from the prior year. It saw its revenue increase by 13%. The gross margin came in at 78%, or a 1.19% improvement from the prior year. And the free cash flow conversion ratio was 109%, or an 89.7% improvement from the prior year. It raised its dividend by 32%, and kept its payout ratio steady at 16%. On January 1, 2020, the PE multiple valuation suggested that Company B was 53.61% overvalued. Dividend yield theory suggested it was 22.72% overvalued, with the combined valuation being a 38.17% premium to fair value. So which company do you go with in 2020? Company A had a better increase to its gross margin, and it looked cheaper based on both valuation methods. While Company B had a better increase in its return on capital employed, its revenue, the free cash flow conversion ratio, and its dividend growth rate, the better choice returned 31.65% in 2020, and the worse choice returned 20.17%. Both are pretty good returns, but 11.5% more sounds pretty nice. Okay, let's look at the data for 2020. Company A had a return on capital employed of 66%, or a 2.37% decrease from the prior year. It saw its revenue grow by 13.78%. The gross margin came in at 39%, or a 1.49% improvement. And the free cash flow conversion ratio was 75%, or a 19.28% improvement from the prior year. It raised its dividend by a flat 20%, with the payout ratio remaining steady at 24%. On January 1, 2021, the PE multiple valuation suggested that Company A was 6.41% undervalued. Dividend yield theory suggested it was 2.77% undervalued, with the combined valuation being a 4.59% discount to fair value. Company B saw its return on capital employed decline to 37%, which was a drop of 33.32% from the prior year. Its revenue also fell by 9.37%. The gross margin came in at 76%, or a 2.96% decline from the prior year. And the free cash flow conversion ratio was 93%, or a 14.94% drop from the prior year. It raised its dividend by 21.21%, with the payout ratio jumping up to 25%.
On January 1st, 2021, the PE multiple valuation suggested that company B was 14.14% overvalued. Dividend yield theory suggested it was 22.51% overvalued, with the combined valuation being an 18.33% premium to fair value. So which company would you go with in 2021? Company A looked better across the board, aside from a slightly lower dividend growth rate. The better company had a return of 48.4% in 2021, while the worst company had a return of just 1.16%, a very big difference. Okay, let's look at the data for 2021. Company A saw its return on capital employed improve to 72%, or a 9.06% increase from the prior year. Its revenue grew by 5.83%. The gross margin fell to 37%, or a 3.39% drop from the prior year. Its free cash flow conversion ratio also fell to 49%, or a 35.2% drop from the prior year. It raised its dividend by a solid 20.51%, and saw its payout ratio increase marginally to 27%. On January 1, 2022, the PE multiple valuation suggested that company A was 50.19% overvalued. Dividend yield theory suggested it was 14.38% overvalued, with the combined valuation being a 32.29% premium to fair value. Company B saw its return on capital employed improve to 41%, or a 10.65% increase from the prior year. It grew its revenue by 23.42%. Its gross margin improved to 79%, or a 3.48% increase from the prior year, and its free cash flow conversion ratio improved to 98%, or a 5.45% increase from the prior year. It raised its dividend by a modest 10% and saw its payout ratio drop to 20%. On January 1st, 2022, the PE multiple valuation suggested that company B was 4.82% undervalued. Dividend yield theory suggested it was 4.66% overvalued with the combined valuation being a 0.08% discount of fair value. Which company do you go with in 2022? Now company B looks better across the board, aside from the dividend growth rate. In hindsight, we know that 2022 was a rough year in the stock market. The better of these two companies posted a loss of 2.66%, while the worst company posted a loss of 37.88%. Okay, let's take a look at the data for 2022. Company A saw its return on capital employed decrease marginally to 72%, which was a drop of 0.17% from the prior year. It saw its revenue grow by 4.13%. The gross margin declined to 36%, or a 2.44% drop from the prior year. And its free cash flow conversion ratio fell to 43%, or an 11.19% decline from the prior year. It raised its dividend by 17.02%, and saw its payout ratio jump up to 34%. On January 1, 2023, the PE multiple valuation suggested that company A was 21.58% undervalued. Dividend yield theory suggested it was 33.67% undervalued, with the combined valuation being a 27.63% discount to fair value. Company B saw its return on capital employed improve to 50%, or a 21.41% increase from the prior year. Its revenue grew by 17.76%. The gross margin fell slightly to 76%, or a 3.61% drop from the prior year. And its free cash flow conversion ratio also fell to 81%, or a 17.39% decline from the prior year. It raised its dividend by 11.36%, and saw its payout ratio drop slightly to 19%. On January 1, 2023, the PE multiple valuation suggested that company B was 20.15% undervalued. Dividend yield theory suggested it was 22.68% undervalued with the combined valuation being a 21.42% discount to fair value. So which company would you choose in 2023? 
Company A had a lower decrease to its gross margin and free cash flow conversion ratio. It raised its dividend by a higher percentage, and it looked cheaper in both valuation methods. While Company B had a better improvement to its return on capital employed, and its revenue grew by a higher percentage. The better company posted a return of 23.39% in 2023, while the worse company returned 20.67%, which turned out to be the smallest margin of difference in the six years that were tested. So how well do you think you did? Was it easy to choose which company you'd rather invest in each year, or did you find it difficult? Let's talk about the results and find out. One of these companies had a cumulative return of 131.91% during this six-year window of time. This equates to a 15.05% CAGR. The second company did a little better with a cumulative return of 191.23% or a 19.5% CAGR. Both companies beat the S&P 500 that had a cumulative return of 95.53% or an 11.92% CAGR. Okay, let me give you the results for the 10 options I tested. So in case you chose one of the strategies to follow, you can see exactly how it would have turned out. I'll go from worst to best. And the worst strategy to follow was following the dividend growth rate. Selecting the stock that raised its dividend by the highest percentage in the prior year turned out to be a very lousy strategy to follow. It ended up with a cumulative return of just 44.3%, or a CAGR of 6.3%. Matter of fact, this was nearly the worst possible way to invest in this example, with the strategy picking the better stock during only one out of the six years tested. The second worst strategy was the 50-50 portfolio, that simply invested equally into both stocks. This portfolio had 174.54% cumulative return, or a CAGR of 18.33%. The third worst strategy was based on the better free cash flow conversion ratio growth rate in the prior year. This strategy ended up with a cumulative return of 214.04%, or a CAGR of 21.01%. Interestingly enough, the free cash flow conversion ratio strategy only chose the better stock during two out of the six years, but this was enough to create a winning portfolio that performed better than owning either of the stocks on its own or investing in both equally. The fourth worst strategy was based on the higher revenue growth rate in the prior year. This strategy led to choosing the better stock in three out of six years, but only gave a marginal improvement over the strategy based on the free cash flow conversion ratio. The revenue growth based strategy had a cumulative return of 221.12%, or a CAGR of 21.46%. The fifth worst strategy was based on the gross margin improvement in the prior year. This strategy led to selecting the better stock in four out of the six years. The cumulative return based on the gross margin improvement strategy was 263.39%, or a CAGR of 23.99%. Okay, now on to the top 5 strategies. The fifth best strategy was the 75-25% portfolio based on the combined valuation. In this strategy, 75% of the portfolio was allocated to the cheaper stock based on the combined valuation, with the remaining 25% of the portfolio allocated to the more expensive stock. The cumulative return for this strategy was 268.46%, or a CAGR of 24.28%, so only a little bit better than the fifth worst strategy. The fourth best strategy was based on the biggest improvement in the return on capital employed in the prior year. This strategy ended up with a cumulative return of 327.22%, or a CAGR of 27.38%. The third best strategy was based on dividend yield theory, and it led to a cumulative return of 357.72%, or a CAGR of 28.85%. And the second and best strategy ended up with the same outcome, and these were the strategies based on the PE multiple valuation and the combined valuation. They both chose the better stock in 5 out of the 6 tested years, and they led to a cumulative return of 383.47%, or a CAGR of 30.04%. It's time to reveal the companies. Company A was Domino's Pizza, 
and Company B was MasterCard. Some of you may have already figured this out based on the returns or other data shared, so kudos to you for staying sharp. Domino's Pizza was the worst performing company with the 131.91% cumulative return, while MasterCard performed better with the 191.23% cumulative return. Domino's posted better returns in 2018, 2020, and 2021, while MasterCard posted better returns in 2019, 2022, and 2023. None of the strategies I tested ended up with a perfect return, as even the best performing strategy opted for Domino's in 2023 instead of MasterCard, and it left about 3% of excess return on the table. But clearly, using most of the strategies did lead to better than average results. I'm curious if any of you were able to select the perfect strategy to maximize the returns generated by both these stocks during the last 6 years. If so, please post it in the comments below. I'll be curious to know what you based your decision on. Now let's talk about this example and the strategies I tested. Even though each of the four financial metrics, the return on capital employed, revenue, gross margin, and the free cash flow conversion ratio, led to better returns, I wouldn't necessarily go ahead and start basing my investment decisions using solely this data. These metrics are useful to evaluate, as they can help you find strong businesses. Both Domino's Pizza and MasterCard have been, and still are, high-quality companies, and that is primarily why they delivered market-beating returns between 2018 and 2023. We did observe some large fluctuations for the return on capital employed or the free cash flow conversion ratio, but looking at the full past 10 years, both companies overall maintained strong and healthy numbers. The key metric here turned out to be the valuation, and while the PE multiple performed slightly better, I wouldn't go ahead and scratch dividend yield theory off the table entirely. Sometimes using a combination of two valuation measures can be beneficial, as one method may give you slightly skewed data. The safest way to play this scenario was the 50-50 portfolio. That still ended up with a CAGR of 18.33%, that was nearly 6% better than owning the S&P 500. In my opinion, the most important aspect of investing is finding high-quality, profitable businesses and then owning them for a long period of time. If you can get in at an attractive valuation, that makes investing in such companies even better. The next tilt you might want to consider is placing a slightly larger bet on the companies you think are more attractively valued. In my example, the 75-25 portfolio that put a little bit more money to work in the company that appeared to be cheaper led to another nearly 6% improvement in the CAGR over the 50-50 portfolio. 6% per year may not sound like much, but over this 6-year test window that was nearly an additional 100% in cumulative return. So 6% per year can add up to quite a lot over a longer period of time. I'm sure if I ran this same example with two different stocks, the outcome would be much different. So this was more of a thought exercise to give you something to think about. I'll leave you with this one final statement. Valuations are important, but what you invest in is equally as important. If you enjoyed the episode, please give it a 5-star rating. Thank you for joining me today, and see you next time.